0: Episode 2 of the Smart Dynasty Podcast. My name is Leith Austinson. I'm your co-host. I'm here with my friend Dan Lewis, Mr. Roto Dan. Dan, we just just finished our 14-team super flex, two tight end, three flex PPR league draft. 30 rounds. How do you feel about your team?
1: You know, I feel pretty good. Um, It definitely was a... Interesting draft to say the least. Uh, You know, we touched on it a little bit last episode too, but a lot of quarterbacks went very early, was able to get uh, for my personal team uh, landing David Johnson at at 111 there in the first round made me pretty happy. Um, You know, I'm I'm excited. It'll be an interesting – it was interesting to see the different strategies. I feel like I got a fairly overall balanced team, so I'm excited to see uh, the damage they can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. 14 team start two tight ends uh, with tight end premium. I took Kelsey in the second round. You took Ertz in the second round. Like tight ends are flying off the board. Quarterbacks yeah. are flying off the board. Um, we got some values with running backs late because of that. But man, it's it's tough to draft in those super shallow position groups. Are so valuable you know it's crazy
1: it it just I've I finished a 16 team one a day before this one as well and it's I when you're so used to playing like 12 team leagues or 10 team leagues um you don't realize until the end of the draft just how I don't want to say bad but yeah not not as talented your roster looks but then you look "Ah." at other players (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this might be the worst draft yeah. I've ever done, but then you look around and see other teams. And it's like, okay, I can compete right. with that. And it's, you know, uh, it, it's fun. You know, I'm this year I'm getting into a couple deeper ones um, and it's just fun to see the different ways people approach, approach each one. And some, you know, we have a, a buddy in one of our leagues that was in that same league. Uh, he went four wide receivers the first four rounds. So I don't know if Evon will have two tight ends to start, but he'll be dominating those
0: those uh, receiver positions. Yeah. so it's it, it's, it separates um, the men from the boys. So yes, we are the Smart Dynasty Podcast. Um, this is our second episode. Just a little recap of who we are and what we're here for. Um, we're just two guys that love to play Dynasty. We talk Dynasty every day, so we figured we might as well record it. Um, this podcast is mainly going to be about strategy. Uh, and we'll talk uh, player values, team building, and uh, the draft mostly. So, with that said, um, we usually start out with the a news segment and what kind of strategy we can gather from that news. But in the last week, there really hasn't been any significant news that we need to talk about, which is a great thing. No injuries, great thing. No suspensions, that's great. So Seems very let's get rare right. These days, yeah, very rare. I mean this is truly the lull of the season right now yeah um which is why we love dynasty because we're still talking football so exactly uh let, yeah let, let's get into our first segment uh last week we did the buy sells of the nfc north mm-hmm. uh let's flip it over to the afc north uh dan who is your buy
1: I'm going to jump out and I'm going to buy Willie Sneed. Uh, He's a name that a lot of people are forgetting about right now um, in both startups and uh, existing leagues, it seems like. Uh, Going on Dynasty League Football's uh, average draft position site there, right now in a a startup, his average draft position is number 229. And his trade calc values uh, uh, is this equal to a 2018 middle third round pick for rookie drafts. This is a guy here. I don't think Willie Sneed is going to compete with Odell Beckham Jr. That's not what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. But at that point. Position if that level of value and the discount you can get, he has a legitimate shot to be the Ravens' number one wide receiver. Okay, his biggest competition right now is Michael Crabtree, who mm-hmm. might be a little more talented, but it, he's not that good. You know, according to Richard Sherman, he's mediocre, and I yeah. tend to agree there. I, I, Crabtree doesn't scare me, so you know, looking at uh, a mid third round rookie pick. According to 2QBs.com, uh, the average draft position, you're looking at John Kelly, Mark Walton. Those guys aren't even going to see oh. the field ever, maybe. they string running backs. Yeah. So why not take a, a flyer on a guy, a tr- if you can get a trade value for him, who is going to start day one. He's succeeded in the past, and he has a legit shot to be the top targeted guy on his team. Hayden Hurst you know, coming to Baltimore, he doesn't scare me for reasons like we talked about last week. Um, mm-hmm. you know, rookie, tight, rookie tight end. He's going to take two, three years. I don't think he's as even as athletic or as good as Njoku and Howard, who both didn't perform stellar their first year. So I'm taking a am taking a shot at him. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. It might be more of a volume play than a boom play, but I think, you know, a, a six, seven reception game for, 50 yards and then hit or miss on a touchdown. So you're looking at 11 to 15 points in PPR. I don't think that's out of the zone for Willie Sneed. And uh, when I can get that for a mid third round pick, I'm I'm definitely taking the flyer there because you're not missing on much. If you don't.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to disagree with those prices. Uh, Sneed, he's your typical post hype sleeper, right? He probably had more hype than he should have last year uh, for a guy who's, kind of a non-athlete i believe he was undrafted or maybe a seventh round pick but he you know he last year he was in line uh it looked like for the number two job in one of the best offenses in the nfl and for whatever reason uh suspension possibly he fell out of favor in new orleans and that didn't materialize but um yeah i i feel like uh we're we're not thinking too too much about all the targets to go around in this Ravens offense, and they're not necessarily good targets because it's Joe Flacco for now. <laughs> but the Ravens throw the ball more than any other team. Yep. And if Lamar Jackson develops quickly, maybe those are valuable targets. So I can't disagree. I think I'm not a fan of the player, but I'm a fan of the situation, and I'm a fan of the price. Exactly. So
1: exactly. That's... That's exactly what, you know, where I'm looking at with, with that play. So what about sure. you? Who
0: are you buying in the AFC? So my my buy in the AFC North was going to be John Ross. Uh for this a similar reason in that he's going super cheap. You can probably get him for an early third right now. And he's got high draft capital and he's I think good. I I'll go on a limb. I think John Ross is actually good. But I couldn't pull the trigger because I don't trust Marvin Lewis and I don't know what they're going to do. And the whole situation is at the mercy of the coach. So I'm not going to choose him. I'm going to go with a guy I don't really even like, Ben Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. Um, He is – so last week we talked about buying uncertainty with Andrew Luck. So if you would have bought Andrew Luck in the middle of the winter when nobody knew what was going on – and then this video comes out, and you sell them, you can make a profit. I think you could do the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger, in that he has talked about retirement a couple times, and people just kind of automatically think that that means his shelf life is shorter than these other older quarterbacks. But I think most of those times, like he just says a lot of shit, and. I think most of the time he's just joking, and re- most recently he said he plans to play for three to five more years. So I think you just got to throw out what Ben Roethlisberger says because he just says a lot of things. But the facts are he's going uh, 22nd and ADP right now, which is okay, I think. I probably have him around 20th. But if you plug him into the calculator, and I did this because I've – been involved in a few trades where you can't get much for Ben Roethlisberger. I know a friend was trying to sell him for the 10th pick of the draft in a super flex league and could not do it. So I plugged him into the calculator. He's going as a 17 is this value. Drew Brees is a 24. Drew Brees is three years older. He scored the same amount of fantasy points last year, and he is on an offense that wants to run the ball. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, 22. That's, the difference of a, a high second. Philip Rivers eighteen point one. Philip Rivers consistently scores less fantasy points than Ben Roethlisberger pretty much every year on a per game basis. Of course, uh, Sam Darnold is seventeen point four, so he's about the same. Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen <laughs> is nineteen point four. Alex Smith is sixteen point seven. Alex Smith is the same value as Ben Roethlisberger, but Alex Smith has one good season, one good fantasy season. Yep. So, Ben Roethlisberger has. The best weapons in the league by far, if you count the running backs, Uh, three of them are top 30 dynasty players. So they're going to be around for a while Added James Washington, who should be a more reliable deep threat than Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant is a guy that Ben Roethlisberger never got along with and was continually throwing shots at him. So I don't know if that means anything, but we know that James Washington is a deep threat specialist Mm -hmm. and we know that Ben Roethlisberger specializes in throwing those deep shots And so I like that pairing a lot. Um, And they drafted Mason Rudolph in the third round, which uh, I think a third round pick is in that gray area where you don't know if he's the heir apparent or if he's just a flyer. Most recently, those guys have been just flyers. If we're talking about like Davis Webb for the Giants or like Garrett Grayson for the Saints, those guys have been nothing. They have not threatened the starter whatsoever. But I think Mason Rudolph is a little bit better prospect than those guys. So what I would do is I would acquire Ben Roethlisberger. Like, compare Ben Roethlisberger to Drew Brees, who is going as like... You could pair a low first with Ben Roethlisberger and still not get to Drew Brees, which is crazy to That's me. Insane. But if you but if you got Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph, you can basically insure yourself... And that if he retires early or if he gets hurt, you still have a starting quarterback for the next two years. So I think, and you can get Rudolph for a third round pick, even in superflex. So I think that's the route that I would go. And that um, you can get a consistent top 12 quarterback who has high upside because his weapons are so good. We've seen one top five season out of Ben Roethlisberger and the majority of his seasons are top 12 in points per game. You can get that. For pretty cheap, and then you can hedge your bets by getting Mason Rudolph. So that's why Ben Roethlisberger's my buy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, very good points there. Um, it, it it brings up an interesting question, I guess, and is what type of time frame, if we, you know, talk strategy here, when you're looking at players like a Ben Roethlisberger, a Drew Brees, or a Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold what kind of time frame per position, you know, we look at. So like for me at a right. quarterback position, I'm looking in a dynasty. I'm not looking beyond three to five years running back. I'm not looking beyond three years really. And wide receivers. I like to go to about a five year gap. So if with would better like you said, is joking around saying he's got three, four years left. That's right. In my sweet spot. So much can happen in the NFL over the next three years. And Mm. stereotypically in dynasty there's a lot more trade action than in in redraft as well so your team will change that three years is for for someone like josh rosen to be going above ben roethlisberger maybe because he's a little younger because you can't even Mm. can't even compare the two weapon you know arsenals they have ben roethlisberger right on the water it's just it's crazy to me. And I, I agree with your points there, but, um, what, what do you think on positions and, and time frame? you know, trying to piggyback off this just a little bit?
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point to bring up. I think, um, I, I have a pretty, I have a longer view for quarterbacks. I'd say about five years probably, uh, because they do tend to hold their value and play longer. And once they have a decent amount of sample size, you can kind of figure out what they are. Um, that's why I kind of compared uh, Roethlisberger to Breeze sure. the most because you could make the argument for take for trading Ben Roethlisberger for Josh Rosen if you're rebuilding, yes. you, if you have a young team. I'm t- perfectly fine with that if that is your team makeup. But when you're comparing Big Ben to Breeze, you're talking about like the same time frame and one guys 3 years younger um and a lot cheaper so i think uh even if you do zoom out and you you're looking way into the future i think it's still you want you want big ben in that situation yeah. and and for running backs i have an even shorter view i, I would say 2 to 3 years yeah and wide receivers more like 3 to 5 probably Which again just you know
1: exactly falling back to what you said uh being able to pair him with a, a Rudolph, um, like you said, you're looking at five years. If Ben truly only does play three, then you've got the guy there to, to make up for it for the next two, three years before your your time frame would be out. So, um, no, I think I think that's a very good pick, uh, good buy. And it, it's surprising I didn't realize that his, his value was in the same range as some of those guys because I'd sell – Right, probably four of the six you said for Big Ben.
0: And that's the things you got to look into because I was looking at the ADP and I was like, I just took Big Ben in a draft way behind all these guys. Like, he went way after all these guys. So I don't know if that's what his value is. And then you look at the calculator, which takes into consideration what, uh, what people are doing in trades right now and startup ADP, I believe. And I think that's a better, like all more encompassing view of their value. So I think that's a better way to look at it.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to keep you going though. Uh,
0: who are you selling in the AFC North? I actually had a tough time with this. Um, my first thought was mixing, but I think that's the route you're going. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. Um, and this it mostly has to do with the ADP as well. So I looked at the ADP over the last few months and it's gone from about 29 to 33 in standard leagues after. So after he got signed to Cleveland, which does not seem like a big enough of a fall. Um, He's a volume dependent receiver. He's last year had the lowest yards per catch in the league, did not even crack a thousand yards on 161 targets. That's an insane amount of targets. He plays a lot like a pass-catching running back, like a a Duke Johnson type. And Duke (laughs) Johnson is going to be his teammate, and he just signed a long-term deal, and so he's going to be there for a long time. Uh, His value last year was mostly buoyed by his uh, insane amount of catches, which I don't think he's going to get, and nine touchdowns that all come – within the red zone, which I don't think are repeatable because there's not much about Jarvis Landry that makes him a good red zone target, right? He's not a good contested catch guy. He's not very big. Really, the only reason that he has, he caught so many touchdowns last year is because they threw him the ball a lot. And if they're not going to do that this year, which they have Josh Gordon and David Njoku, I don't know why they would be throwing the ball to Jarvis Landry in the red zone. He's not going to get those nine touchdowns. It's going to go back to the 3 or 4 that he was getting before. I think the Browns want to run the ball. That's another thing. I think I think their defense is going to be a lot better this year so they're not going to be chasing points all the time. They invested a lot in their running backs um and I think they're going to use them. Uh the quarterback situation is probably better than Miami, but I
1: don't should know be. if that
0: yeah, it should be. I don't know if that necessarily is better for Jarvis Landry. Because the Miami quarterbacks targeted him a ton, and I think better quarterbacks will push the ball down the field more. Baker Mayfield's a rookie. We still don't know if he's going to be good yet. We think so, but we don't know. Tyrod Taylor, over the last couple of years, has thrown some of the fewest amount of pass attempts in the league. Um, he prefers to pull it down and run. So I don't think those pass attempts are going to be there. And... Um, The one argument that people have for Landry that I get is that the Browns invested a lot of money in him. They're going to use him. But we talked about this last week when the Browns signed Duke Johnson to a long-term deal just after drafting Nick Chubb and signing Carlos Hyde. I think the Browns are just sick of having bad players. And I think they just want to (laughs) keep good players when they get them. And I think that's why they traded for a guy who was on his franchise tag when they probably could have not traded for him, nobody else is going to trade for him, and then try to sign him in free agency. They know that people aren't going to come to Cleveland, so they trade for him and then give him a lot of money just so they have good players. That doesn't mean that they're going to target them a million times. So I think there's no possible way that all of these players on the Browns are going to return ADP because there's so many of them going so high. And there's only so many targets to go around. And I think Jarvis Landry is going to be the one that's going to take the biggest hit as far as targets. So if you look at um, ADP, the people going around him are like the non-Barkley rookie running backs like Geis, Penny, and Michelle. And then the non-Kelsey tight ends like Evan Ingram and Zach Ertz. And I would take all of those guys above Jarvis Landry, and then for a wide receiver play, uh, Doug Baldwin is going below him. I would see if you can get Doug Baldwin plus a second for Jarvis Landry. I would definitely do something like that. So what are your thoughts on Landry this year? You know, I I, I
1: tend to agree with you overall. The one thing that would prevent me from completely selling on Landry is the uncertainty around Josh Gordon, and that's very hard for me to say because – I am a huge Josh Gordon uh, advocate. I, I have him in like out of the 14 leagues I'm in, I think I have him in 10. <laughs> like I've made trades for him. I'm I'm all You're in on Josh Gordon. I told yeah. him. Yeah. In our, in our main league, I told one guy he can try and trade me seven first round picks for Josh Gordon and I would consider it. So uh, I am, I'm sold out on, on Josh Gordon, but at the same time, He's a high risk with the addiction issues or or whatever his problem is. And then beyond that, he's a restricted free agent next year. So what if the Browns don't bring him back? Corey Coleman is yet to be seen. Njoku should be, you know, he's on the up and up. But Landry could very clearly be the target dominant guy he once was in Miami again come next season. So, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a in a later segment here uh tonight, but Landry could almost be one of those guys that you buy because he should produce at least a you know, above average numbers he still this has year, a even floor. if it's not where he was. He's yeah he, a, a good floor. Yeah. And then could boom again next year. So that's the only reason. But like you said, I mean I would definitely take Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz over him. The non Barkley rookies, I, I think that's a fair fair level for yeah. Landry. And then I I don't like Baldwin, so okay. I don't agree there. But the Ertz, Ingram, I would absolutely look at either of those guys over Landry. Um, I would agree.
0: That makes sense, and um, I, I do agree with the Josh Gordon thing. If if he, you know, if he gets he gets dinged one more time, he's done forever, probably. Yep. And i th- I think Duke Johnson is more competition for targets for Landry than Gordon is. But That's if fair. if Gordon gets hit again, then who is an established wide receiver in that receiver core? Nobody but Landry. So you're yep. gonna have to go out of him, go to him out of necessity. So I agree with yep. you on, on that point for sure. Cool. So who are you selling out of this division?
1: You hit it right on the head. I'm selling Joe Mixon. Um, Joe Mixon is extremely talented. There is no question about it. I just hate where he's getting drafted right now. Overall, he's getting drafted at overall twenty-three, and as the number twelve running back, so the final running back in that you know RB one group. Um, guys that are getting drafted around him: Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Freeman, Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey. Okay, here is here is why I am not taking taking Mixon. I don't think that he is that much better or in that much of a better situation than a Darius Geis or a Nick Chubb. I, I think people are forgetting how good Giovanni Bernard really is. Yeah. And I think that people are forgetting that the Bengals also like Giovanni Bernard. So, you know, people are taking Joe Mixon thinking he's going to be this three-down stallion mm. and and come out and dominate. He had 3.8 yards per carry last year, I believe, as a rookie, which I, I get. Rookies are, are hitting this, but he's not going to get that Melvin Gordon workload of 286 carries. I, I don't foresee that, especially with Bernard there. So it was
0: actually 3.5. It was even worse. I just looked 3,
1: it up. 3.5. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even worse than what I was thinking there. Um, and the other the other flip part is where he's getting taken. So, again, I don't think he's uh, as good or is in a worse or equal position as a, a Geis or a Chubb. And those guys are getting taken like 20 picks later. Okay. Yep. Now, these are 20 first or second, third round draft picks. This is not the sixth or seventh round where it's hit or miss guys. Mm-hmm. These are guys that are going to make up your dynasty, your team, you're the focus that you're going to go. So I would rather take an Adam Thielen, a Stefan Diggs, or even a Travis Kelsey, wait around and still take a guy like Ronald Jones, Geis, Derek Henry, that in my opinion, are in similar situations and I'd rather, I'd rather take the, the more sure thing at the top pick. Um, again, I think Joe Mixon could be a fa- fantastic running back in the NFL. I just don't like his position to be a surefire RB1, and when you have to take him in the middle of the second round, towards the end of the second round, uh, that's too much of a risk. I'd rather play it safe there and, and take more of that, that jump later on in the draft.
0: He pretty much got an entire pass for last year. Like, he... I, I can't imagine his ADP being any higher if he was great. I mean, it's like we're evaluating him without last year even happening. You know what I mean? Like he's going in the same range as all the other rookie running backs that were actually really good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at the only
1: guy really above him that you could argue, I would say there's two. I could I could see if he was better last year, he could maybe take out Dalvin Cook. But we oh, talked about that last, last week. I mean – Cook got hurt. He might even be a little bit inflated right now yeah. for some silly reason. And then I could see an argument against Christian McCaffrey simply because McCaffrey is a receiving back yeah. and was even worse between the tackles than Joe Mixon was. But everybody else above him, I, I agree. Even if, if Mixon would have exceeded expectations last year, I don't think he hops them. So – I just think his his price is too high. He he's up there for really no reason other than the fact that people People liked him coming in. Yeah, and you know they liked him so much, but they were scared of his his off the field issues. And now all of a sudden, it's like they liked him for his football, and his off the field issues were holding them back. Now his off the field issues aren't the problem, but his football wasn't as good as people maybe once thought. But they're like forget, like you said, they're forgetting about last season. Yeah, it's just like throw it out put him up there and when you've got guys in the running background like a Devonte Freeman uh, personally and I, I think I'm in the minority here but like a Jordan Howard is going 11 picks later I, I think Jordan Howard and Joe Mixon are going to be a very similar career path just because of Giovanni Bernard I Howard is a fantastic first and second down running back Joe Mixon could be exactly that but I think they're both gonna be off the field more than they're not on third down
0: yeah uh I don't necessarily agree with the Howard take because That's fine. I, I think Mixon has the capability to to be a three down back, and I don't think Howard does because he has some of the worst hands I've ever seen. But uh, it's funny because uh, some of the people that listened to the, the episode one said that we agreed too much, and I, I, I gotta agree with you again on this one though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, I promise we're gonna disagree at some point in this podcast, but, um, so the thing with Mixon, uh, like I said, it's like he got a pass for last year running backs. They're out the gate. Like they are supposed to produce right away. Like they don't need time to sit and develop It's an instinctual position. Right. And so when they have a bad first year, even if the cards are all stacked against them, you have to hold it against them a little bit, you know? Um, we've only really seen two running backs that I can think of who had really bad first years and pulled out of it and became pretty good. And that, and in recent history, I mean, and that's Le'Veon Bell. And that's because he went through a complete body transformation where he lost like 20 pounds and mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon. And that was just mainly still not that good. Yeah. He's, he's still not that good efficiency wise, but he started scoring touchdowns and catching more passes. True. And so usually when backs come out and they're not that great the first year, that's kind of who they are. Now, Mixon, I hold some reservations out for because his offensive line was god-awful last year. They got better this year, undeniably got better. But Gio Bernard's still there. Gio Bernard was better than him last year. When Mixon got that concussion, Gio Bernard came in and produced much better than him so I think Gio is still going to be involved, and while I don't agree with your Howard Mixon comp, and I wouldn't take Howard ahead of Mixon, I agree with the fact that it could be a similar type season for those guys because of Gio Bernard's existence. So
1: hey, you want to pass on the guy that consistently gets 1,200 yards and six seven touchdowns? I'll I'll be right behind you and take him.
0: Yeah, I mean that's, yeah. that's Howard, just so everybody knows. Right, right. It's tough in PPR, but and. I mean, he's got it. He's got a good floor, you know? Yes, absolutely. All right. So let's move on to our next segment. Um, We're just going to run through these real quick. But what we wanted to do, so we were talking about uh, off air. We were talking about Jarek McKinnon and how his ADP rose exponentially because of the great free agency situation that he was in, where he had – You know, a couple injuries ahead of him. He performed well, and then he got signed to a team with a coach that knew how to use him. He got given a bunch of money, and um, now people are drafting him in the third round. So we wanted to look at maybe potential 2019 free agents and take a look and see if we can find that guy, that Jerick McKinnon, early and buy him now and then watch his value rise. And... I got to say it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because I don't love these names. Um, The big one that everybody already knows is Tevin Coleman. My take on Tevin Coleman is that him being a starter next year is already factored into his price. Like you already have to pay a mid to late first to get him and he's a backup running back. So I don't think there's any wiggle room for, for value to rise much. So if you buy him now, you can still use him this year because the Falcons use two backs and he's talented enough to put up some big weeks. But you need him to basically go to a perfect situation next year to increase any value on that mid to late first that you're going to have to pay to get him right now. What, what is your take on Tevin Coleman?
1: Uh, again, I mean, I agree. I think you're having to pay too much. The thing I'm going to say about... Uh, when we go through this list, pretty much any running back that's on here, the biggest concern I have now is I don't foresee really a spot that he could go and not only perform well, but get the opportunity. Like, there's not a ton of teams, if any, right. that you could say right now have a surefire hole at running back. Like, there is no New York Giants going into this year's draft that, you know, obviously Paul Perkins wasn't going to cut it. Um, the worst team, maybe. Would be a Houston Texans with Lamar Miller yeah. or Alex Collins would be a good at Baltimore. One. I mean, even there, I like Collins, and I, I think that I'm not saying Coleman could come in and outperform him, but that's really who he's going to have to surpass to even get that role. So
0: I, I think the I'm big one away from Coleman, I think the big one that everyone is going to, uh, Tell themselves as possible as Pittsburgh because if Le'Veon Bell leaves, everyone is going to tie every free agent running back to Pittsburgh. Yep. And that is such a low probability of finding the one guy that they're going to sign, uh, let alone set, al- set aside the fact that they might just re sign Le'Veon Bell. So you can't really count on that. So,
1: no, I, I agree. I, um, there's got to be more than one spot for somebody to go for me to buy into them because, right. the, like you said, the fact the chances of them exactly hitting, and even if let's say Pittsburgh does open up, I don't think that they're, you know, going to give up on James Conner. I mean, I I'm not saying Coleman can't compete there, but I don't I still don't think that that would be a surefire in. So,
0: um, yeah, I mean, I'm staying away
1: from Coleman.
0: Yeah, I'm not really a Connor believer because I think he's just uh like a two-down back. Sure. And Coleman offers that three-down upside. Um, I'm not necessarily. I think I think Tevin Coleman is one of the best twenty-five to thirty running backs in the league for sure. But he's also a guy who has a low BMI in that he's tall and slender, and he plays like a freaking wrecking ball. Like he yeah. just runs. He takes his 4 three forty and he just barrels it right into a middle linebacker every play. Sure. He doesn't have like the wiggle that Devontae Freeman does. And I don't think he can withstand... I think he's good enough to be a bell cow. I don't think he can withstand that kind of workload. Yep. So I think if he gets that job next year that everyone's hoping for, he might get hurt. But I think the odds are is he's going to be in a committee again next year. And... If you're okay with that and you love the talent enough, then okay, go ahead and buy him. But if you're buying him banking on a starting job next year, that's too risky for me.
1: Nope. Nope. I think that's that's fair. So I'll, t- I'll take the next one here. And sure. I I hate saying this to you because you have him in one of our leagues, I, th- I think, but Nick yeah. Foles, I am 100% buying. And here's why I'm almost going back on what I say, but you guys heard it here first. Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the starting quarterback for the New York Giants in 2019. Oh, that's interesting. And I, think I like that should that happen, he's gonna he's gonna skyrocket with those targets. Now, again, I'm literally contradicting what I just said. That's one spot he could go. But Foles is gonna in from what I can foresee right now, Foles is going to be the number one guy at the quarterback position next year for anybody the draft cast incoming isn't that great that as at this moment you know who knows maybe somebody blows up in college but people are saying we're going from one of the best in recent history to one of the worst in recent history um Mm -hmm. i i think nick Foles. if you look at the guys that are gonna be legit targeted free agents next year he's gonna be are there any yeah no not really i mean Teddy Bridgewater, who you'll talk about here in a yeah. second. But other than that, uh, you know, Bortles just got his extension. Um, and then I think the thing with Foles, too, is it wouldn't surprise me if there's a surprise retirement, which is might be what it takes. But let's look yep. at some of these teams that are having quarterbacks starting to get up there in age. You've got the Giants loaded with young weapons, okay? Mm-hmm. Chargers loaded with young weapons, and I don't, I don't think Rivers retires next year, but who knows? Um, Saints loaded with young weapons. So really anywhere a, a quarterback is going to land next year probably has a pretty legitimate shot at, at putting up some serious numbers. And I like, I like the chances of at least one or two quarterback spots opening up in the NFL, and Nick Foles is going to be the leader in – I mean, Mike Glennon got 15 million for, for, I mean, come on, uh, Nick Foles is a super bowl champion. Uh, he played fantastic throughout the playoffs. I'm, I'm buying Foles and, um, I don't know. I can't really tell you exactly what I would go and, and just throw out and give up for him. But in every league, I'm going to inquire on them. And if there's something that fits my team or my situation, well, I'm, I'm pulling the trigger and like crossing those fingers.
0: I'll tell you what, if I'm a Carson Wentz owner in Superflux, I'm throwing out a second-round pick uh, to the Foles owner because, I mean, you need to mitigate your risk for Wentz being hurt to start the season. And if he is hurt, Foles could be a QB1 Mm -hmm. in that offense, that great offensive line and those weapons. Um, And even if Wentz is perfectly fine plays every game you still have a guy who might be a starter in 2019 so you're not really um just paying that second for nothing um but i agree with you uh mostly in a vacuum i I just wanted to say he's not actually a free agent next year but i believe they restructured his contract so that he can opt out okay and i'm guessing i'm guessing he will considering he's you know, a Super Bowl MVP, and we'll probably have an opportunity to start somewhere yep. else. But kind of like the running back situation, the, the market is pretty saturated right now for quarterbacks because we had so many good young ones coming to the league this year. But I think you're right on in that there might be a surprise retirement that forces a team to uh, take a chance on foals because a team might be built to win now, like the Steelers, the Chargers, the Giants, The Saints, all these teams are pretty good. And if they're left holding the bag without a quarterback, I can see them just grabbing foals and saying, let's try it again. Absolutely. And that brings us to our next one. We'll go a little quicker with these. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater might be moved uh, this season uh, because they've got Sam Darnold and Josh McCown. Um, It sounds like Teddy Bridgewater is playing well in practice. I don't know how much to take from those. I'm a big believer in him. I thought he never got a fair shake in Minnesota because the offensive line was so bad. The weapons were so bad. The scheme was suited for basically the opposite skill set of Teddy Bridgewater. It was suited more for a Cam Newton type. And so I think if he is healthy, I think he should at some point get a chance to start again. But I don't know if the NFL is very high on him, that's the problem because they don't know where his knee is at. And he also doesn't have that stretch of brilliance like Nick Foles did. So I think he is going to have to get a backup job somewhere where they don't have the quarterback of the future on their roster, like the jets. And he's going to have to beat out somebody. And I don't know where that's going to be. And so I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I'm not really buying because that's such a murky situation. No, I, you know? I
1: agree there. I'll, I'll take us to the next Tyler Eifert. Uh, no, I'm staying away. He's a touchdown dependent tight end <laughs> that can't stay healthy. I mean his best his best season in the NFL 618 yards, I believe, and 13 touchdowns, which is fantastic. Problem is, he hasn't even gotten close to those numbers since um his his next highest touchdown was 5 in 2016 and again 615, 615 yards i'm sorry um is the most he's ever gotten can't stay on the field uh i i don't think i think his peak has come and gone and um i don't foresee him
0: uh, really booming anywhere all right i'll go to the next one uh, tj yeldon running back for the jaguars i am out because i don't think he's very good i think he is Pretty good at everything. I don't think he's great at anything, and I think he's his ceiling is a number two running back. I think Corey Grant, the uh, other running back on the Jaguars, is yep. better than him. And so I think he's going to be the third string running back this year, and I don't think he's going to get much interest next year. And if he does, it's just going to be as a complementary role. So I'm not even... Interested in throwing out a third. Here's where I'll disagree
1: because I think TJ Yeldon could be a third down specialist if he's willing to morph into that. He could be. So I would still take a flyer on like a third round pick because you can get him for so cheap third. Or I mean, maybe if you're in Mm -hmm. a weird league, like a fourth round rookie pick, um, guys are really forgotten about Yeldon, kind of see him as a waste of space. And if he gets signed into the right system, uh, I I like his upside as being a possible third down specialist, but that's going to be a ceiling. I mean, he'll catch some passes, get out, maybe a flex play on a bye week. Uh, I'm going to Dante Moncrief. I'm not buying. I think if anything, last year was the year because now he actually has a chance to start with Jacksonville. I'm a Bortles believer. I don't think he's going to have a better shot anywhere else than he's going to this year. So... uh, I mean, maybe buy him for this season. And if he competes, well, yeah. But as far as who's going to break out again and get the McKinnon effect, um, I think we missed the ball on Dante Moncrieve.
0: All right. The next one is uh, kind of a pet project that I've had, Chris Conley. I love those guys who uh, show out at the combine. I think Chris Conley, like he almost had a world record in the broad jump and he ran like a 4-3 and had like a 46-inch vertical or yeah. something like that. He hasn't done really anything for the Chiefs, but um, I think he was one of those slow developing guys, and he is kind of like Moncrief in in his style. He's a vertical receiver. He's tall and athletic, but he got hurt last year. He's going to be the third receiver at best for the Chiefs this year, but his style meshes well with Patrick Mahomes, who likes to throw it vertically. So I think your best case scenario for Chris Conley is. He has a big year with a couple splash plays and then he gets a contract somewhere else next year to be a starter, but you can't give up any picks for him. He's got to be basically free to acquire him because he's a nobody who is coming off an injury and um, you just got to basically betting on next year because he's not going to start this year.
1: Yep. Nope. I agree. Uh, Spencer where same thing. I'm staying away. I don't think he's going to be the McKinnon guy. He had a breakout year in 2016, but, I mean breakout 900 yards and, and three touchdowns um he has he didn't play in 2014 didn't play in 2017 so he's already in his five year career he's missed two seasons um uh, nothing nothing overly special for me and again circling back around I don't foresee any major running back holes opening up um so
0: no. I'm going to disagree with that one. I like Spencer Ware. I agree that there's no running back holes. I don't think he'll be a starter next year, but I think he'll be part of a committee that he'll have the opportunity to win a job. And I think he's talented enough to win a job. Um, The next one is Tyrell Williams, who is another guy that I actually do like. uh, And I am buying, especially with Hunter Henry Hurt. I think there's targets of plenty to go around in that Chargers offense. Mike Williams hasn't proven himself. He's got back issues. Tyrell Williams is one of those size speed freaks. He's more of a downfield threat. He's not going um, to just rack up catches, but he's going to have enough splash plays to get somebody to give him a good contract next year, I think. And his ADP is super low. It's like in the 140s or something like the 12th round. So I I think he is more than anyone else on this list. For me, the guy who I think you can buy that will sign with a new team next year that might just ratchet up his value if it's the right team. Sure.
1: Uh, Quincy Anua, he's tough. It's For him. For me, it's really going to be – it's got to come down to the owner that owns him right now. Some guys really like Anua. They think that he's going to bounce back this season and be the, the number one wide receiver there at, in the Jets. Other guys are like, neck injury, please just take him off my hands. Other guys are cutting him. I'm, I'll take a risk on him. He was going to be the number one guy last season before the neck neck deal. Uh, played fantastic in 2016. Still very young. Um, absolutely, I'll, I'll I'll take a flyer on a noonwa. Uh, uh, there's never Nunu. Never too many vowels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can barely say that. But there's always somewhere that a, a talented wide receiver can can latch on and find a spot. And I think he's exactly that. And it might be the Jets. I mean, they might just re-sign him, and he sure. might be number
0: one. Yeah. Might be the best place for him, sure. Uh, Jay Ajayi I have next. I don't think his value is going to jump next year. Uh, I think his pending free agency might make him uh, a situation like when the Cowboys had DeMarco Murray pending free agency and gave him like 400 carries. I don't know, but I think that's a possibility. I think if you're buying Jay Ajayi now, hoping that he gets a job next year where his value is going to increase, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think... You might want to consider acquiring him now because the Eagles might want to ride him to the ground and just get rid of him. Here's my thing on Ajay: is um, I I think the
1: Eagles keep him. I think if there was Do one you? spot that the Eagles are going to or the any running back, now that I think about it, um, simply because he is a free agent, the Eagles might be a spot for a running back next season if they don't bring back Ajay. Yeah. But I honestly think, and it's fantastic, I mean, he's 25 years old, I believe, right? Yeah, 25 years old. He he actually just turned 25 five days ago. He's a power guy, and they have Corey Clement there that's going to be able to play on the, the third downs. I could see that being their one-two punch for the next three to four seasons if uh, Jaya can stay healthy. So I think, I think the Eagles bring them back. I think they've got their backfield loaded. And I think that Eagles offense is locked in for the next three, four, five years. And I mean, I'm acquiring a Jaya because I think he's an undervalued guy right now.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. But people don't like him. Like I've been watching in startups. He just falls and falls and falls past his ADP. Uh, I mean, his ADP is there for a reason, but. From what I've seen, people are not taking him at that. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, he he does get he gets a heavy workload, but I I like him. I'm in on a ja and I would I would make that move. So uh, Jamison Crowder is next. I've never been on the Crowder train, uh, so I guess Lee, if you disagree, I'll, I'll let you kind of take this one. But I'm staying away from him. I've never been a huge fan. He's I don't I don't know. He's nothing
0: that really gets me riled up or anything like that. All right, I'll, I'll take him. I, I, I think his current situation is good as it is because he has no really proven pass catchers on his team that are healthy consistently yeah. other than him. And uh, Alex Smith doesn't really push the ball down the field very often, so that's a good fit. But the fact that he's a free agent doesn't make him any more valuable because I don't think that there are going to be any more valuable places for him to go than where he is right now. So definitely don't acquire him hoping for his value to jump based on his free agency. I think that that's a bad choice. Um, do you have any thoughts on Martavis Bryant? He's our, he's our last I one. I do
1: now that he has this whole off the field issue um, going on, I'm buying Martavis Bryant because I'm buying talent. The guy can play football. He's gonna get a chance. And again, uh, if there's anybody on this list at the wide receiver position that is gonna be the guy I'd want to take that risk on, it's gonna be Martavis Bryant. It could be there in uh, in Oakland. It might be him and Amari Cooper over the next five seasons. He might get to go somewhere like uh Arizona Cardinals and be the number one guy down there. Uh, I don't know where he'll end up, but he's got the talent. Um, I I like his his play style, and I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: get him. The the biggest thing with him is that you got to get him cheap. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I don't think you can even give up a second for him right now because everybody's so scared. So I'd throw out a third. Yeah, somebody in one of your leagues is going to be scared enough to give him up for a third. Unless I think.
1: if you're a contender, if you're if you're a legit contender, I would go second. If you're, I mean. This time of year it's always hard, but if you honestly think you're gonna be in the back half of that draft, I would go second because just, just you look at the draft and I don't I don't see anybody, especially like this year in the second half of the second round, that's as talented as Bryant. So Sure.
0: Um All right. Well, we got we got one more segment left we wanted to hit and we don't have a whole lot of time. So Dan, do you think we can cruise through it or Yeah,
1: I think I think we can hammer
0: this one out and eight, eight
1: to ten minutes here.
0: Sure. All right, so it wouldn't be a Dynasty podcast if we didn't talk about rookies, but we don't want to talk about all of them. And we don't want to do a mock draft because everybody's done a mock draft. So we're just going to pick one we think is overvalued, one that's undervalued, and our sleeper. So why don't you go with your overvalued first?
1: This is easy for me, and people are going to freak out because this hype train is going crazy. But Saquon Barkley, it's absolutely ridiculous out there right now. Okay? So I'm going to get this out of the way. Rookie draft, Saquon Barkley is 1-1. There's no question about it. Five seconds if you have DSL connection is as long as that that draft should take. I mean, there's no question about that in rookie <laughs> drafts. Okay, here's the thing: just stop in 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 startups, people. Like I can't. It's, I get so heated fuster. about this. I don't know why, but right now he's getting taken as the third running back off the board after Todd Gurley and after Ezekiel Elliott. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara are all coming after Saquon Barkley. That is ludicrous. Okay, we we just talked about it earlier a running back we like to look two to three years out. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell have the skill sets. They're 26, 27. They still have two to three years in them. Okay. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell are the two most complete running backs in the NFL. They're literally what in a perfect world, Saquon Barkley will become. Okay. Saquon Barkley is going to a team that has an awful, awful offensive line their big signing this year is uh what nate soldier uh left, left tackle who literally the only reason you know who nate soldier is is because he made a living protecting tom brady if he was protecting uh tyra taylor last made a season, yeah i mean if he was protecting tyra taylor last year you would not know who nate soldier
0: is i think i think it, i think it's Solder. soldier so you're giving him too much credit calling him a soldier yeah
1: i mean it's, it's terrible he and he, and after that, he can't run block. He's a good pass blocker, but he can't run block. Okay. The Barkley hype is out of control just because of his quads after he pitched the ball at the New York Yankees game. And
0: it's that made me move him up five yeah, ADP spots. Just apparently those quads.
1: Everybody else in the world lose their minds because <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, I saw a, uh, a trade on Twitter last, like what, three or four days ago. Somebody gave up Saquon Barkley and Marvin Jones. Okay or somebody bought Saquon Barkley and Marvin Jones, gave up Odell Beckham Jr., Sonny Michelle, and Ronald Jones. That is, oh my God, that's one of the stupidest things I think I've ever seen in my life. That's Uh, ridiculous. You know, Saquon Barkley is absolutely talented. I would take him at the end of the first round, but overall average draft position of number five when David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas – i can keep going on for a long time are still on on that board stop it
0: just right. just stop. I, I i don't know i'm I'm kind of in the middle like i think he's going too high i think the trades that we see come across our screen are ludicrous like that one that you just talked about like he would literally have to be ladanian tomlinson for that to pay off and even then it would be iffy uh yeah I I have him above Bell. I don't have him above DJ. I I think there's enough risks associated with Bell to take Barkley over him just because uh, we don't know what team he's going to be on next year. He's been hurt a lot. He's had a ton of carries. Uh, He has uh, off-the-field concerns as well. Um, But I'd probably settle Barkley into the like eight range, seven or eight probably.
1: Okay. That's, I mean, that's fair. I I know we disagree on Bell and this is probably a conversation for another day. My thing is when you compare Bell and Barkley, again, I think Bell's got two, three years left, which is all we look at in running back. And then is there a worse landing spot for a running back than the New York Giants? And I don't know if there really is maybe Buffalo. Uh, other than that, I I mean, I'm anti running game in, in New York. So um, I think who, who are you? Who are you selling? Yeah, I do not the, s- selling? Who's, who's undervalued?
0: Yeah, I don't mind the landing spot in New York, but you're right, the offensive line does stink. I, I think Saquon Barkley is so good in the passing game that he might might not matter. But uh, my overvalued is, and I hate to say it, it's Nick Chubb because I love Nick Chubb. I think he's a great prospect. Uh, last I checked, he was the 103 on in DLF. Um, and I just think, you know, the backfield is going to be crowded. We talked about this last week. So I'm not going to go too far into it, but Duke Johnson's going to be there for the long haul. Carlos Hyde's going to be there at least this season. I don't think there's any way that, and Jarvis Landry is there too, and he catches passes like a running back. So I don't think there's any way that Nick Chubb can become a three down running back within the next two years. And running backs, you need them to produce right away, especially ones that come out as seniors as Nick Chubb is. And so I would have him behind, penny michelle geis and ronald jones right now so i'd have him at about 106 and if we're talking super flex i would probably take three quarterbacks over him so at 109 because if i'm drafting a running back i want them to produce right now um so i'll just i'll just go right into my undervalued my undervalued this is his college teammate sony michelle and i know me and you disagree on this quite a bit so this is our first big big disagreement dan um, <laughs> there's a wide range of valuations on Michelle. Uh, he's going at 107 on DLF and standard leagues. I have him as my 103, just behind Geist, just slightly. My argument for Michelle is okay, the one reason people are very split on Michelle, it all comes down to Bill Belichick. It has nothing to do with the player at all. And so if you were told that you had a player that everyone thought I don't know I've never listened to a single analyst that thinks Sony Michelle is a bad prospect or even an average prospect. The worst that you heard was a second round type prospect. If you had a prospect that was universally liked, went in the first round, went to a an elite offense without an established running back on that offense, you'd be like, yeah, sign me up. That's that's what I want. But he's not being drafted like that because people don't know what to do with the unpredictable nature of the Patriots offense. I think people are looking at Bill Belichick wrong and that it's not that Bill Belichick just does things to screw with people. It's that he just, he does what he thinks is the best for his team at that time. And he signals that ahead of time. So, for example, he uh, did not invest in running backs at all. Like James White was undrafted, I believe. Uh, Rex Burkhead is costing like a million dollars or something. Jonas Gray was undrafted; he just discarded him. Sony Michelle is a first round pick. He's different, and he is a guy that's not like all these other, other all these other guys. James White is strictly a passing game back. He falls down at a sneeze. He's a great pass catcher, but he's not breaking any tackles. Legarrette Blount was awesome for the Patriots, but he is the complete opposite. And so they, when those types of guys are in the game, they're dictating, the defense knows what they're there for. Sony Michel is different than all those guys because he is a well-rounded back. He's 215 pounds. He's a good pass catcher. He can run inside and outside. And so I believe, and maybe I'm going on a limb believing this, but I believe that the Patriots see him as a, a guy that will not, tip off the defense as to what they're doing and so whether they're in the lead or they're behind or they want to run or they want to pass they can use Sonny Michel and he's going to be good at all of that couple more things, just want to hammer out real quick because I got a lot of arguments for Sonny Michel they paired him with his college teammate Isaiah Wynn, I don't think that was an accident, I think they drafted them together on purpose because they plan on using both of them, when the Patriots do commit to running backs, they are awesome, Deion Lewis was and a top six running back over the last half of the season last year, I believe, when they did commit to him, and then they just so got rid of committing. him because <laughs> well, that's the thing; like they knew they were going to get rid of him, so they just ran him to the yeah. ground and got rid of him. And my last thing is that if you are very worried about him losing his job, which is totally understandable, you can acquire Rex Burkhead for cheap, and I don't think there is anybody else on that roster that that can do what sony michelle can do other than rex burkhead and that's even a stretch but i think that's the best hedge that you could do so you could throw out a third for rex burkhead if you're worried about that all right i talked too long about sony michelle but
1: (laughs) that's because i believe that's very strongly in this i've got a rebuttal because i disagree on sony michelle Here's, here's my issue. I fall in the category of I don't like the Patriots. I don't care about their draft capital. I think the Patriots are a team that they like the players they like, and some of the players they like nobody else really knows. And then the ones that they do know, like a Sony Michelle, they're going to take them because they know that they can fit perfectly in their system. Here's the thing with Bill Belichick. He likes guys that can do certain things for his team, and he assigns their roles. I agree. When Blunt was there, he tipped off the team that it was probably going to be a pound up the middle. James White tips off the team, it's going to be a pass. But guess what? It's worked mm-hmm. to the tune of five Super Bowls. So I don't see Bill Belichick changing his way yeah. and just saying, hey, Sonny.
0: That's why the pick was so weird, though, right? Like, that's, that's why true. nobody Here's my predicted my issue with them Michelle. to take a running back in the first round. People
1: are comparing him to Alvin Kamara. Stop. He had he had 9 receptions last year. Like him and Kamara they might have like similar bodies, but they're not the same player. So people are like, "Well, he could have the Kamara effect." No, he can't. He he's not going right? to have the Kamara effect. Number 1, number 2, <laughs> I think I think he's just going to I think he could end up being I keep circling around. I think this is a shift of the entire NFL is he can be the first and second down guy, and then James White comes in on third down. And if they're on the goal line or Rex Burkhead or, you know, a guy that's on there, if he can hold on to the ball, wouldn't surprise me if Jeremy Hill holds on to a spot there in New England and pounds out for those final five yards on the goal line. So I think Michelle's yeah. gonna be the guy in between the twenties that gets the ball on first and second down, but that's moving them down in my rankings. Cause I think there's better players um, like the guy I'll talk
0: about here in a second. I'll say one thing. I think that's possible, but I think every running back save for Saquon Barkley in this class, that's possible with because Rashad Penny has Chris Carson yeah. and JD McKissick and CJ Proceis and Darius Geis is Chris Thompson and Samaj Piran. There is competition all over the place for these guys. So Sony Michelle is not alone sure. in that regard, but the coaching staff, has done it in the past, so I get it.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to jump in. I apologize. I mean, I know we're going a little long here on time, everybody, but uh, my undervalued rookie right now is Ron Jones down in Tampa Bay. And here's – I like his style for that Tampa Bay offense. I don't think – kind of countering what you just said, I don't think there's a ton of competition. I'm not a huge barber believer, and Jackie's Rogers has run his course. Uh, I don't think he's anything to worry about. Um, The Tampa Bay offense is young. They're going to grow together. Jameis Winston is proving that he is a fantastic leader. Mike Evans, perennial top wide receiver there on the outside, Deshaun Jackson still there to stretch the field, and then an elite tight end prospect in O.J. Howard. Really what they're missing is somebody that can man down that running back position, and I think Jones can do exactly that. The tight end and Howard, the wide receivers are going to keep those corners and the safeties true to themselves. They're not going to be able to stack the box. Jones is going to come up on one-on-one with a linebacker, and he has the skills. He's got that shake to make a miss. He's a big play guy. He's going to make linebackers miss. Um, I think he leads the rookies with 20-yard-plus runs, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's a top-five guy in the NFL for 20-yard-plus runs because I think he's going to boom them. He's a guy that's not going to need a ton of touches like a, a Melvin Gordon or a Joe Mixon that we touched on earlier um, to have an impact. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are comparing him to Jamal Charles and I like that. I think that fits his, his play style. And I think that that's going to be a perfect fit for the Tampa Bay offense opposed to somebody like a carry on Johnson or something. That's more of a ground and pound pounded out type of a guy, uh, a Ron Jones home run hitter, um, basically meets the perfect situation.
0: Sure. I, uh, I like Ronald Jones. I think he's a little undervalued as well. Um, okay. Real quick, let's hit our sleeper rookies. My sleeper rookie is Le'Veon Bell's backup or third string, however you want to look at it, Jalen Samuels. Um, okay. He's going in the fourth round of rookie drafts. Uh, running back position in this offense is incredibly valuable, as we saw with D'Angelo Williams, who put up RB1 numbers with Bell out. I Like I said before, I'm not a believer in James Conner just because I don't think that he is a good comp for Le'Veon Bell because Connor's a grinder up the middle and Bell is very versatile and so is Jalen Samuels. He's a very good smooth pass catcher uh, and he has surprising speed for his size around a 4.56 at 225. That's pretty similar to what Bell's at. And so I just think it's a high upside play if uh, Bell gets hurt, which um, has happened quite a bit in the past. So I think for a fourth round rookie pick, you could do much worse. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go, my sleeper, um, is going to be chase
1: Edmonds in Arizona. And I think it's, it's a simply, it's a fit play. Uh, there's nobody behind David Johnson and David Johnson's coming off an injury. So God forbid something else happens to him. I don't think Arizona is going to be good enough that they go out and try to sign somebody like an Adrian Peterson or whatever, like they did last year. Um, I think Chase Edmonds gets to step up and he gets to play. And then number two, Johnson's got to come off the field sooner or later. He's going to have to take some breaks. Um, Arizona's incorporating a fullback this year. They've got Derek Coleman, Elijah Penny, who's actually the other running back, halfback on the roster, uh, is looking to convert over to fullback for them there in Arizona. So I like Edmonds. He's going to be the clear-cut second guy and if Johnson goes down, it's very possible as a rookie he becomes a a workhorse and he yeah has to just by default become a, a Bell Cow back because there's literally nobody else down there in Arizona. Um you look at him I think he is a perfect example of a small school in Fordham University is where Fordham. It, Fordham, sorry. You know, wherever he, he was able to come out of right now. Um, you know he's getting taken as the 62nd uh running back wow and if you have if you have david johnson in rookie drafts i'm moving chase edmonds up into the second just because i mean the kid can ball you watch tape on him uh last year he got hurt but i mean 1800 1600s 1800 where his his freshman sophomore junior year rushing stats um 23 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns. Uh, wow. You know, I, I I think he can ball and he's in a good position and he's going to see the field as a rookie. And just going where he is in drafts in that third, fourth round range, he's the only one that's actually going to see the field.
0: Yeah, I, I love uh, Edmonds as a sleeper there. And uh, I just want to say that uh, I think it's – good if a late round pick is a small school guy. I I was just listening to a podcast the other day and I I can't remember which one it was, but they talked about how it's hard to find gems in the late rounds that are from big schools unless they were injured in college because everybody already knows who they are and they get picked high. And so it's very possible that these small school guys who just didn't get recruited very well in high school but are secretly studs, go, you know, super late in the NFL draft and become really good. And so taking a shot on a guy like Chase Edmonds, I mean, that's that's the kind of investment you want to make with a fourth round pick, which is just a flyer yeah, anyway. So
1: he's got all the tools and all the right you know, he's got that potential that the Kareem Hunts and the, the Jarek McKinnons that also played at some smaller schools or weren't as well known coming out of college, let's say um had that's gonna wrap it up for us uh everybody we were gonna get into the gms and their positions we'll touch briefly on it next week it didn't really turn out the way we had expected no um but we did do some research on it so we'll talk about that next week and then we have a lot of other uh fun new segments coming at you guys so appreciate everybody listening uh, apologies it went to an hour and 10 we will we'll keep it tighter around that hour moving forward but uh hope hope this helps everybody out and everybody else have a good night all right guys see you next week